Wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out and leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. I've always been the type of person who thinks a little bit differently than the people around me. Stayallday.com. Stay exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has, relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach too. Hey you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game, DreOldDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. You are now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there, bowl in authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there. Even when the success you've expected to achieve is yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. That is the go-getter energy. It moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all these together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today we are moving on in the story. I'm telling you how we got here, who I am, where I'm from, why I'm doing what I'm doing, and where we are headed. So I've already given you the background on this in yesterday's episode, so I don't need to do more of that. We're just going to get right to it. Before I do that, let me tell everybody two things. Daily motivation text. Focus, sharp, and on point. If you want to be that, get this text every day straight from me. I write it. I do respond to text. So hit me at my number, 305-384-6894. And workonyourgame.net for all you business professionals who are serious about increasing your income and taking it to the next level through processes, strategies, and systems. Workonyourgame.net. The training is completely free, 45 minutes at the end of it. I will even give you an opportunity to schedule a call with me. We can talk about how to implement it in your business. Again, that's workonyourgame.net for the free training. Links to both of those texts and that training are down below in the description. So let's get right into it, picking up where I left off, which is when I got recruited and transferred over to Penn State Altoona after my freshman year of college. So now we are in the summer again of 2001. So continued to play basketball at Penn State Altoona. Did okay my sophomore year. Not great. No, I didn't have great practice habits as far as being on the team. So I didn't get as much playing time as I should have gotten that year. And it was my fault. I take 100% responsibility for it. It's one of the reasons why I can talk about discipline and mental toughness now is because I know what it feels like to not have it and when it was needed. And I also know what it feels like to have it. Because with the team, I didn't have it. Individually, I had it for my own practice, but I didn't have it for you know, what I needed to do with the team every single day because I simply didn't have the discipline that hadn't been taught to me. So anyway, after my sophomore year, the coach who had recruited me, he ends up losing his job. He gets replaced by a different coach. The coach who recruited me, his name was Kenny Macklin. He got replaced by this guy named Armin Gilliam. Now, Armin Gilliam had played in the NBA for 13 years. And the reason why I remember that he played 13 years in the NBA is because when he became the coach, every time any player disagreed with him or talked back to him, anything he would say to us in practice, he would yell at them 
well, who are you to question me? Because I played 13 years in the NBA. He would say that over and over again. That was his way of defending himself, that he played 13 years in the NBA, as if they had anything to do with what he was telling us at a Division three college in Altoona, Pennsylvania, you know, 20 years after he had played in the league. But anyway, he became the new coach. And when Army Gilliam came in, he pretty much cleaned house. So all the returning players who were coming back that year, my junior year, he cut a bunch of them off the team, didn't even make it. Only three of us out of, I believe it was nine players who were eligible to return my junior year to play on the team. They had played the year before and were still eligible to play the next year. Only three of us made it to the new regime, me and two other guys. And I ended up playing only like the first half of the season before I was off the team completely as well. Because this new coach, you know, when new coaches come in, a lot of times they just clean house. It's what CEOs do when they come in and replace the old CEO in companies. It happens in sports. So my last year and a half of college, I was not even on the basketball team. I was not on the basketball team. Now, this is a guy who has aspirations to play professional basketball, being me. I wasn't even on the basketball team my last year and a half at a Division three college that doesn't even produce professional players. So would you bet money on that person making it pro? <laughs> I wouldn't either. So this didn't look good. So my last year and a half, I finished college. I did graduate. I got a business degree from Penn State. Thanks, Penn State. And let me tell you, I got to give you a side note in the story here. because There's some side stories that go along with all of this. So I ended up graduating. I didn't play my last year and a half in college. That's pretty much all we need to say about basketball up through my college years. Now, here's something that happened between my junior and senior year. I saw this bulletin board on campus had a posting on it that said, would you like to make some extra money you know, in the summer or extra money on the side as a college student? And the answer to that question in my mind was, yes, I would like to make some extra money. So he had a phone number on there, called his number, and I'll you know, fill you in on details. So I called the number. And the guy said, well, I'm going to have this meeting in this building on this day. So we had a meeting like a few days later in this building on campus. Me and like two other students came to this little meeting that this guy was having. And he introduced us to this concept that I had never heard of before, but many of you have heard of and you probably know about now. It is called network marketing or multi-level marketing. Some of you may know it as. So anyway, he introduces this concept and tells us a little bit about, you know, the product and the service and whatever it is. And really what I was paying attention to was, you know, how do we make money with this? Can we make money doing this? And he told me a little bit about it, whatever, whatever. And that summer, when I got back to Philadelphia, I ended up getting a little bit involved in this company. Didn't stay in it long, but I did get involved in this company that was selling. It was like a legal insurance service that I actually am a customer of to this very day, even though I'm not in the business of network marketing. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up. Because going to these little meetings, they were like these hotel meetings that they would have. Going to these meetings that summer, this is the summer before my senior year of college, going to those meetings planted the seed in my mind for the entrepreneur that I am to this very day. And I'll tell you why. Because when I went to those meetings, the people who would talk, I mean, they would, most of the presentation they would talk about, well, half the presentation they would talk about the actual product and service of the company that this was. But the other half of the meeting, they were just laying the foundation for explaining to people entrepreneurship principles that otherwise had not been taught to any of us. Even myself, who was in college, majoring in business. I literally have a business degree from Penn State. And the things that they were teaching in the hotel meetings at this network marketing company were never taught to me in college. That's an absolute fact. And these people would talk about things like how people who get rich don't work for money. They have money work for them. And they talked about investing principles. And they just talked about money principles that had not been taught to me in school, had not been taught to me by my parents. And I went through all the formal education, college education. This has not been taught to me at all. And no other place that I've been had any of these things been taught. So this was eye-opening to me because I said, okay, now I understand 
why and how there are certain people who make way more money than most of the adults around me. Most of the adults who I saw, people in my family, people I grew up around, people who are respected adults in my world, I look at how they live. And then I look at how these other adults have been there around the same age. Or why do these people seem to have much more resources than these people? And then I started to understand. I started to connect the dots. These people are making money in a different way. They're not smarter. They don't work harder. They don't have more time. They don't even have more opportunity. They just think differently about money and about business. And that's why they have the outcomes that they have. So this is planting a seed in my mind. I understand I didn't really do anything with it. I told you I didn't stay in network marketing. I didn't really do anything with it, but it planted a seed in my mind that would germinate over years. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. So that's where I started to get that idea of, of entrepreneurship was from these hotel meetings. Now, here's the other thing that happened at these meetings. When the meetings would get close to ending, the person on stage would always say to us, hey, when you get out of this meeting, when you leave the room, there's a table right outside the room. And at that table, there would be these ladies sitting there and they'd be selling all these books. They would have all these books at the table. Now, I've always been a big book reader, but they were mentioning books that I never heard of and authors who I never heard of. And they would always say, hey, make sure you go and get yourself some personal development out at the table outside of the room. Now, I'm thinking to myself, what is personal development? I had never heard that phrase. Now, I just told you I'm a book reader. I'm a bookworm. My mother's an educator. So she had my sister and I reading from a very early age. So I've always been a reader and that's how I got into writing. Now, here's the thing. Even back in the day, before you could buy books on Amazon, I would go to bookstores and I would just walk around to bookstores and buy books. That's how I found my favorite author, Robert Greene, and many of my favorite books I found just through browsing bookstores back in the day. So when I would go in bookstores back then, pre-Amazon, there were two sections of the store I would always go to. First, I would go to the sports section and get the sports books because I was always in the sports. And then I would go to the human psychology section. That was the other section I would go to that nowadays, if you go in a bookstore, they have whole sections called personal development. But back then, they did not have that. It was called human psychology. So I found Robert Greene's books, 48 Laws of Power, et cetera, in the human psychology section. So when these guys at this hotel meeting would say the personal development, they started name dropping authors. They would name drop people like Brian Tracy, Napoleon Hill, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar. I never heard of these people, but they said, go get these books, get the books, get the books. And I didn't get the books because I was a broke college student. I barely had enough money to get to the hotel meetings, let alone and pay to get into meetings, which was like $2. I barely had that. So I didn't buy the books, but I remembered the names of these authors. So here's what happened. When I got back to college that, you know, the following year, my senior year, I went on eBay. This is back when, again, this is before Amazon took over. You bought stuff on eBay. So I would go on eBay and I would look up these books. I looked up two books that I remember. There was one, Napoleon Hill, it was called Think and Grow Rich. I remembered that title. I looked that up and I bought it from somebody on eBay for 99 cents. And they sent me a Word document of the file of this book, Think and Grow Rich. This is a completely high rated version, but I bought it. 99 cents. And there was another book I remember. It was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So I bought that one, 99 cents off eBay. And just as a side note, what I also did is I took those copies that I had bought and I sold them on eBay. So I was always a hustler. So I would resold the same copies that I had. I would just make copies and I would sell them on eBay for 99 cents. And I sold a lot of copies of both Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So Napoleon Hill's dead, but Robert Kiyosaki, if you hear this, I will write you a check for you know, how much money I make off those books. And I, I, $200, I'll probably give you 99 cents a piece for the books that I sold in that summer. This is probably summer of 2003, just to give you a frame of reference. But I read both of those books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Think and Grow Rich. And I'm mentioning both of those books for a specific reason, because first of all, Think and Grow Rich planted the seed in my mind that I've always been the type of person who thinks a little bit differently than the people around me. I always had something in me that I didn't know quite what it was, that I knew that my way of thinking was different from then the average person's way of thinking. And when I read Think and Grow Rich, I said, OK, this is a real thing. There's people who really think this way. This is a real thing. 
the way that you talk to yourself and the way that you think to and about yourself does have a direct effect on the outcomes that you get in life. Nobody had ever actually articulated it until I read Napoleon Hill. So that book set the tone for a lot of what you hear on this show to this very day. And any of you who's been following me for some time, the stuff you've been hearing for over a decade, that was number one. Number two, when it came to Robert Kiyosaki's book, this embedded even more deeply those seeds of entrepreneurship that have been planted in my mind from the hotel meetings. Because Robert Kiyosaki's book went a little bit deeper than the hotel meeting presentations of him explaining, do not work for money. You got to make your money work for you. And just all the principles that he explained in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he explained a very important principle, the pivotal principle that there are people like in that story. If you haven't read that book, read the book. Robert Kiyosaki explains how his actual dad, like his you know, biological father, was a really smart man who went to school, had all the degrees. But as an adult, he was pretty much broke. He was living paycheck to paycheck. He was broke. Whereas his best friend's dad, who was his quote unquote rich dad, he had dropped out of school, didn't have all the degrees, but he was an entrepreneur and he was financially well off. He was rich. So that was the rich dad versus the poor dad. And Robert explained in that book how somebody can go to school, do all the right stuff, follow all the rules, get all the degrees, get straight A's. And then as an adult, still not have any money. And then how somebody could do the opposite of that stuff and then be the one who was rich because they think differently than what the system, quote unquote, the system teaches us. And that point, that principle, and Robert Kiyosaki wrote that book in like 1998. All right. So 25 or so years later, the principles in that book are still 100% true. And so that is what planted the seed in my mind going into my senior year of college. Okay. So now I understand the people who get straight A's in school are usually not the ones who end up with the money. So can you imagine how that altered my mindset going into my senior year of college about to get a business degree? Oh, it absolutely did. So this is the seeds of business planted in my mind. But Again, I didn't do anything with them just yet, but I held on to the principles from those books. So I graduated from college. Next step was I wanted to play pro basketball. See, this is why I didn't do anything with the network marketing or anything I read from Robert Kiyosaki, because I knew what I wanted to do next was just play basketball. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to play basketball. So how do I play basketball? I just graduated from a D3 college where, if you remember, I didn't even play my last year and a half. It had never produced a pro basketball player. So where do I go? Where do I begin? The answer was, I have no damn idea. So here's what I did. I came home from college, back to Philadelphia. I told my parents I wanted to play pro basketball and it didn't make sense to them the same way it doesn't make sense to you for me to explain it to you now. So I ended up working a couple of regular quote unquote jobs. I worked at Foot Locker as an assistant manager. My first job out of college with a degree was working as an assistant manager at Foot Locker. So Robert Kiyosaki was 100% correct. I worked there for six months, left Foot Locker. I got a job at Bally Total Fitness working at Bally Total Fitness selling gym memberships. Robert Kiyosaki was still correct. So this takes us to the summer of 2005. So one year graduated, one year removed from graduation from college, summer of 2005, I'd always kept my eyes peeled on this pro basketball thing. I knew that I had the, or I believed that I had the ability to make it as a basketball player, but I just didn't know where to go. Now, one thing that I did know was that one of my college teammates, a guy named Wes Pfeiffer, he's actually been on this show in the past. I only had guests on this show. So he's been on the show a couple of times. I interviewed him maybe three times, I believe, on the show. He knew some people who had played professional basketball overseas back where he was from. So he knew about these things called exposure camps, which is now more a common thing. But back then was not so common. Exposure camp is basically, for those who don't know, it's like a job fair, but for athletes. And you pay money to go to these. These are not you no know, just open, just walk in. You pay money. And when you get to the exposure camp, you and a bunch of other athletes who believe you are good enough to play professional basketball or whatever sport, you all play against each other in front of an audience of agents, coaches, managers, scouts, basically decision makers, the type of people who can give you a job, you play in front of them. So this is like an audition. It's like an open audition, but you have to pay to go to the open audition. 
That's what an exposure camp is. I saved up my money, which was $250 in cash that I had to pay at the door because I did not have a credit card or a bank account in the summer of 2005. Paid at the door to go to this exposure camp. And at that two-day exposure camp, which was in Orlando, Florida, we drove from Philadelphia to Orlando. That's about a 19-hour drive, according to the maps. 19-hour drive, got out the car in Orlando. And this was, again, the summer of 2005. So me and two of my college teammates rented a car in Philadelphia, jumped out of the car in Orlando on Saturday morning. And we left Philadelphia Friday afternoon. I'm looking it up on the map just to make sure my distance that I have, the time distance is right. The time that it takes to drive from Philadelphia to Orlando. Okay, 15 hours. So overestimated. 15 hours to drive from Philadelphia to Orlando. We hopped out of the car at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, which is the exact time that the camp started. Now, at age 23, I could do that. Hop out of a car after driving overnight and play basketball for a professional job. Now, could I do that today? Probably not, but I could do it then. So we did it then. And I had two days. That camp was two days long. Paid my 250 in cash at the door. And over that course of that two days, I played my way into what became my professional basketball career. At that camp, I did not get signed the contract and flown overseas right on the spot. That didn't happen. So I went to the camp, played good. Then I had to go right back home to Philly because I had to be at work at Bally Total Fitness that Monday. So we left on Friday, played Saturday, Sunday, left Sunday afternoon, drove back to Philly, and I had to be at work at like nine in the morning that following Monday, that very next day on Monday. That's the way I was living in 2005. Now, here's the thing. To even get those days off, I had to negotiate with my boss, a guy named Steve, at Bally Total Fitness to get the weekend off. I had to get off actually three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nobody got three straight days off working at Bally back at that time. But I was able to negotiate with him. I'll give me these three days off and I'll make up the days because I was the top salesperson at Bally actually that summer. So he didn't want me to miss days, not because he was adhering by the rules, but because he wanted his top salesperson in making sales because it made him look good because he was the sales manager. So again, you got to understand the, the angles of the people that you're dealing with, what they want, not what you want. So I knew I understood all this inherently back then. So get back to Philly. I got a solid scouting report from this exposure camp. The scouting report came out like the next week. So I got a good scouting report. It's online. So this is a third party saying positive things about Dre Baldwin's ability to play at the pro level. So it's one thing if I'm saying it. Another thing is somebody else says it. We call this social proof. I had social proof that I was good enough to play pro ball because somebody else was saying it. The other thing that I got eventually took a couple weeks and I had to browbeat these people to get it. But I got the footage from my exposure camp performance. These are the games that I played in. So this is not only social proof, here's tangible proof of me actually playing and doing my thing. So now I have footage of myself playing against pro-level players and doing well. This is very, very important material. Now, here's the thing you got to understand about this footage. It was on this device called a VHS tape. Now, some of you have no idea what the hell a VHS tape is. So what you can do is Google it. And if you don't find it on Google, just ask your parents or your uncle or your grandma what a VHS tape is, and they will laugh, and then they'll explain it to you. Tell them some guy on a podcast mentioned it, and they'll explain to you what it is. So I had this footage on a VHS tape. Now, here's what I started doing. This is the summer of 2005, folks, just to give you a frame of reference. I went on Google. I still work at Bally Total Fitness at this point, too, by the way. I went on Google, and I Googled basketball agents. I looked up every basketball agent I could find. If they had an email address, I emailed them. If they had a phone number, I called them, literally cold called basketball agents. And here's what I would tell them. Here's who I am. Here's what I have. Footage and a scouting report. I'm looking for an agent to represent me because I want to play pro basketball. That was pretty much my pitch. In the summer of 2005, I reached out to 60, 60, 60 basketball agents who I could find their information and gave them that pitch. Out of that 60, 20 said, OK, let me see what you got. 
Now, remember, let me see what you got does not mean send me an email because there's no YouTube. YouTube does not exist at this point, folks. Uh, damn, this seems like it was such a long time ago. YouTube did not exist. So when they said, let me see what you got, what they meant was send me a physical copy of that VHS tape, which is what I did. I had a double decker VCR at home. If you don't know what a VCR is. Ask your parents or your uncle or your grandma. They will laugh and they'll tell you what a VCR is or you can Google it. So I had a double decker VCR. I went to a store called Eckerd. Eckerd is like Dwayne Reed or Walgreens or CVS. It's like that kind of store, like a pharmacy. So I went to Eckerd and I bought a 10 pack or a 20. I bought a couple of 10 packs of blank VHS tapes. And in my double decker VCR, I can make copies of my master copy of my VHS tape. So I'm making copies of my VHS tapes. Then I'm taking a copy tape and I'm putting that in a bubble mailer and I'm mailing those tapes out to the addresses of the agents who said, let me see what you got. Because I had to send out 20 of them on my own dime. But mind you, I'm still pretty broke at this time. I'm sending out VHS copies of my tape to basketball agents around the world. And I sent them a link to my scouting report, but there's no YouTube to send them anything else. All right. So that happened. Out of the 20 agents that I sent my tape to, one agent, one, O-N-E, one agent followed up after that. Well, I followed up with the agents after I sent them, but one of them responded to my follow-up and said, hey, I'll represent you. I'll sign you. So this guy, he was based out of Virginia. I remember him. He signed me. He became my agent. And this was in July of 2005. So now I have a basketball agent. And you might think, well, this means the heavens part and there's a big party and celebration and everybody's all happy. Well, no, because just because you have an agent, having an agent is not the same as having a job. See, an agent's job is to get you a job. So just because you have an agent does not mean you have a job. This means you have somebody trying to get you a job aside from just yourself. That's all it meant. So now instead of one person trying to get me a job, me, now I got two people trying to get me a job, me and my agent. So now I got an agent. I'm still working at Valley Total Fitness. <laughs> I'm still texting with my agent from my desk in my office at Valley Total Fitness. At this time, I was working at the Valley location that was in Willow Grove, PA, right outside of Willow Grove Mall. So any of you from Philly, you know where Willow Grove is. You may have a frame of reference of what I'm talking about here. That's where I was working. Valley's out of business now, but that location, that's where I was working at this point. So finally, around August, so this about six weeks after I signed with my agent, he hit me up one day and said, hey, I got a team in Lithuania who's interested. And he started telling me the numbers and uh, what the negotiating points were, et cetera, et cetera. We ended up agreeing. I ended up getting a job to play basketball in Kaunas, Lithuania in late August 2005. So that's how my professional basketball career started. Now, me telling you this story makes it sound like it was so easy and so fast and so quick. Six weeks is a long time to have an agent and then you don't have a job and you don't know if you're going to have a job. That's a long time to wait. Trust me. It sounds fast, but it wasn't fast. So anyway, ended up in Lithuania. All right. So this is 2005. I'm in Lithuania. Now, let me give you a parallel story. All right. So at the same time this is happening, here's the other thing that happens. That VHS tape. I understand that VHS tapes don't last long. Any of you remember what a VHS tape is, you know. You left it in the sun, they got too much direct sunlight, or if it got wet, or you dropped it, or someone stepped on it, or you simply lost it, then you lost all the footage that was on that tape, never to be recovered. So I knew I needed this footage to last longer than you know, me, my ability to just hold on to a tape. So by this point, there's this new website up. And this new website said, listen, you can put as much video footage on this site as you want, completely for free. This website was called youtube.com. So here's what I did with my VHS tape. I took it to an audio visual store and paid them money to extract the footage from the VHS tape and put it onto a data CD, not a DVD, a CD. And I took that CD and it cost me like 60 bucks to do this. I took that CD and I inserted it into my parents' desktop computer because I still live in my parents' house at this point. And I uploaded the footage to YouTube. 
that's where my online career began by putting that footage from that exposure camp on YouTube in 2005. Now, here's what happened next as we fast forward through the story. So I played in Lithuania, came back from that. And this is my basketball career was there were times I had a job. There were times that I did not have a job. It was not like I signed a contract and it was like Yellow Brick Road happily ever after. It did not happen like that. I wish it did, but it didn't. And if it had happened like that, you probably wouldn't be listening to the show right now because a lot of things would be different. Let me tell you the rest of the story. So 2005 comes, goes. I played on a traveling team in the United States. Then I played in Mexico and I came back home in 2006. I was still back in my parents' house. I got another full-time job here because the basketball, the phone wasn't ringing. My agent, who I signed with in 2005, he found that the basketball industry was so corrupt and the politics were so dirty that he decided to stop being an agent. His experiment with being a basketball agent lasted like one year. Then he quit being an agent. He went back to being a lawyer, which is what he had been before he came into my world or before I had come into his world, I guess we could say, or came into this world of basketball, he went back to being a lawyer. So now I have no agent and no job in basketball, at least. I went and got me a full-time job at this gym called Philadelphia Sports Club, same as New York Sports Club, New Jersey Sports Club, Washington Sports Club. Any of you from that area, you know that gym. It's the same company. So I'm working at Philadelphia Sports Club. I finally moved out of my parents' house. I'm 24 years of age. I got a studio apartment, which back up there, they called it an efficiency. It's basically an efficiency studio apartment at this apartment complex called Presidential City, right on City Line Avenue, right off of the 76 Expressway in Philadelphia. Again, any of you from Philly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's where I was living. This is 2006. Now, the reason I'm telling you this part is because this leads to the early is on time, on time is late, late is forgotten. Why I say that all the time? So Philadelphia Sports Club had multiple locations in the area. I worked at the one that was downtown in Society Hill, Right near Independence Hall. If any of you been to Philly, you've been to the historical area, like where the Liberty Bell is and you know all the historical stuff. Because Philadelphia is actually the first capital of the United States. Some people don't even know that. So Society Hill is right down the street from there. So that's where I worked. Fifth and Spruce. Fifth Street and Spruce Streets. Now, the location that I worked at did not have a basketball gym. But there was another location that did. Now, since I'm an employee of the company, I had access to any of the gyms of the company as long as I could physically get there. The thing is, I have a nine to five job at this location in downtown Philly. I had to be at work at, again, like nine to five. Now, this gym that did have the basketball court, it was on the like outside of the city, the other direction from my home. It was like 45 minutes from where I lived and the other direction. So I did the calculation. I reverse engineered the calculations of what time would I need to leave that gym if I worked out there to get take a shower, get dressed, drive and be at work on time every single day. I calculated that I would need to be at the gym that had the basketball court that I could use for free. I need to be there when it opened at 530. I could work out till 630, 645, shower at the gym, change my clothes at the gym, get in my car and drive from that gym that was in, it's called Chalfont, Pennsylvania. I never heard of Chalfont and I'm from Philly. I never heard of this town. Drive from Chalfont, PA, down to downtown Philly, and I could be at work on time every day if I kept that schedule. But I need to be at that gym at 530 every day. And I told you the gym is 40 minutes away from where I live. So for me to get there, to be there at 40 minutes away, I need to wake up at four in the morning. So now you know why I wake up at four in the morning. That's where it started. Because I needed to go use that gym every single day for free. That was the only way I could work on my game. So that's how I started working on my game at four o'clock in the morning. Now, here's what happened. After I did that for a couple of months, getting up early, and the thing is I was sacrificing sleep because at night what I would do is I would go play in, there was a rec league at the same gym that I was going to 40 minutes away. So I was driving 40 minutes away twice a day. All right, so it was a lot of gas. 
And good thing gas wasn't expensive as it is now back then, because I would have went broke at that point. But I was driving all around playing in leagues and stuff. And people would meet me and see me and they would say, well, where you play? Because they could tell that I could play. They could tell I wasn't no, some bum dude. They could tell that I could actually play. And I told them I played overseas, but I work right now and this and that. And I started to meet people and they would say, well, go play in this league. You should meet this guy, meet this guy. So I ended up meeting my guy, Jay Jameson, who's from Lansdale, PA. He had played in a school called, I believe, Penn Hills. He had been one of the leading scorers there. He had played under John Chaney at Temple University. And any of you know Jay, shout out to Jay. He had a gym that he used to do his work outside of. They had a league over there. So I would play in his league over there. So I'm playing in all these different leagues and things like that, barely sleeping. Damn, they got fired from my job because I would fall asleep in meetings and stuff like that. District manager yelled at me once and all this stuff. So this is all happening in 2006. And at the same time, I met a girl and that girl was from Florida. She was living in New York. She was about to move back to Florida. And I ended up leaving Philly and went with her to Florida. So that's how I ended up in Florida. I met a girl. Uh, That's how a lot of us end up in different places, right? So this is 2007 by this point. So now I'm in Florida and I didn't really have a lot going on. I was working like little side jobs at gyms and stuff like that, but didn't really have a lot going on. This is in 2007. I had not played basketball professionally since the summer of 2006. So I've been over a year. I had a gap in my resume. No jobs playing pro basketball. I get to the fall of 2007. No jobs, no phone ringing. I still don't have an agent. So in 2007, I decided that this is what I'm going to do. This is when MySpace was popping off. Those of you who don't know what MySpace is, it was like Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and OnlyFans all mixed together into one app. That was MySpace. All right. So I'm on MySpace and I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to go on a full out massive action plan campaign to get myself back into pro basketball. And I remember I changed my screen name on MySpace. I'm not signing this, so I signed a pro contract. And that name did not change for four months because that's how long it took me to make this work. September, October, November, December. I'm working at LA Fitness by this point as a salesperson of gym memberships, of not gym memberships, but personal training. Every day, I'm sending hundreds of emails out to basketball teams across the world. I sent, and I wrote this in my book, Work On Your Game, estimate 10,000 emails that fall in 2007. 10,000 emails. Now you might ask, Dre, how did you send 10,000 emails when there are not 10,000 basketball teams in the world? It's because I sent emails to the same teams over and over and over again, just trying different subject lines, different content, different links. And mind you, at this point, YouTube is a thing. So now I'm sending YouTube links to my workouts and my drills and my highlight videos, et cetera, et cetera, to teams all around the world. Oh, and by the way, YouTube is starting to become a thing at this point. Now I have a little audience on YouTube. I'm putting out these dribbling drills and people are liking it. Like, hey, how often do you practice? Who taught you how to play? Where do you play at? Now I got this little audience of people watching me on this new YouTube thing. Now, mind you, there's no money to be made on YouTube. It's 2007. I have an audience, but you can't make any money putting videos on YouTube at this point. There's no monetization. There's no ads. There's no nothing. I'm not selling anything. I'm just putting videos on YouTube and people are like, yo, this random dude named Dre Baldwin puts videos on YouTube on how to practice basketball. So people are finding me through word of mouth but there's nothing else coming from it. So I don't really give a damn about YouTube because I'm trying to get the bag playing professional basketball. I finally signed a contract. This is right around Christmas, 2008. I signed a contract to play in Montenegro, Novi Montenegro. So that's how I ended up getting back into pro basketball. And that's how I learned that I know how to sell myself. I mean, it might take me four months, but I will sell myself. So that's how I got on in Montenegro. All right, fast forward another year. We get to 2009. I am unemployed again. And at that point, we're going to pause this and we'll take this to part three. And that's where I'll tell you the rest of the story. I think we'll finish this all in three parts. So we're going to pause it right here at 2009. I finished in Montenegro. I'm unemployed again. I don't have a job playing overseas. I do have an agent, but my agent is completely ineffective, new agent. And 
this YouTube thing is going. I have an audience now. And now YouTube, I get a notice from YouTube that they got this new thing going on that opened everything up and it led us to where we are today. So I'm going to leave you on that cliffhanger. And then tomorrow we'll pick up in part three and I'll tell you the rest of the story, how we got here. So two things for you to do now. Text me to get my daily motivation free of charge every day to your phone. My number is 305-384-6894. And go to workonyourgame.net. Those of you who want to get strategic and systematic and process driven when it comes to building your business, you can get to the next level because you know you cannot hard work your way any further than you have gone. That's at workonyourgame.net. Free of charge. Work on your game. Dre all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge. 305-384-6894.